This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is Bond still curtain editor Dave Schofield coming at you on a Thursday morning yet again. The nerds of steel are in full effect, even though this is not a joyous podcast as it was before where the Steelers were victorious in an upset victory. This time the Steelers were fell in defeat. Um, as they were favored in their home opener. It was quite an interesting week because of everything. Man, there was a lot of factors, a lot of different things that went into the game. We're going to talk a little bit about last week's game. We're going to talk a little bit about the game coming up. The, one of the big things we're going to talk about is the Steelers' use of a fullback, how often they've used it, what it means, can they get a numerical advantage with it, that's going to be coming up after we do the other recap stuff. So make sure you're still here for that um, because that's going to be a, a, a some pretty interesting stuff that uh, it, it's funny because Jeffrey Benedict and I, who do the Vertex article for the site, this week we did it on the loss of TJ Watt, uh, what he meant uh, to the defense, what it was like to him not to be out there, how, how that affected things. And, what we what I found was after we did that, I'm like, oh man, this fullback article would be pretty nifty. Let me just ask Jeffrey some questions about it. So I'm hoping to have an article for the site later on this week, um, probably you know Friday or something, if I can get things done right. I can't do the fancy, um, all the 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 video clips and even still shots that other guys do when they do film rooms. I don't know what they do. So I kind of have to get them to help me out a little bit. So we're going to talk about some fullback in the second half of the show. Before then, we're going to do what we do, and we're going to break down some of the numbers from this past week's game. Um, I know it's disheartening, but I talked about this with my brother on the Scoborough show, and that was, man, oh, man, the Pittsburgh Steelers, what they showed us in week two was exactly what I was expecting in week one. And you're like, you expected everyone to be injured? No, I didn't expect everyone to be injured. But I expected there to be a very delicate balance between the Steelers being able to have success or struggle. That it's a very fine line between success and failure in the NFL in general, but specifically with the Steelers, how one injury could change so much. And with the Steelers, it wasn't just one. I mean, they were missing four players that as of Friday morning, they assumed they were going to have for the entire game. Two of them, they didn't have at all. Two of them, they lost during the game. So these are all, all little things that I was worried, you know, can the Steelers offensive line do enough to keep, to protect Ben and not have him get hit so much? Guess what happened in week two? He got hit so much. Things like that, that a lot of stuff that I thought that the Steelers might have struggle with and need to get together as, you know, early on in the season as, as 
these kind of things happened, they didn't really show up until week two. The Steelers really came through in week one, and week two is where these things reared their ugly heads. So that was part of the problem with with the Steelers game on Sunday. And they were still right there. You know, we could get into the fourth down play. We'll probably talk about that a little bit later when we talk about the fullback stuff. I think that's when I'll save that for um, as to what the the Steelers, you know, was that the right call? Wasn't it? There's there's multiple ways to to look at that. So let's just dive into some of the bigger numbers first. And then we'll get back into some other stuff that I looked up to compare week one and week two. Now, I, I keep saying we're going to do it, and then I do one other thing. Another thing that we generally do on this podcast, and I haven't gotten to yet because I, I'm trying to wait. I don't know that I'll wait through the first quarter of the season. I'd, I'd like to get at least one more game. Is A lot of times I like to talk about, oh, this is where the Steelers rank in this category. This is where their opponent ranks. I'm just afraid with only two games under their belt that those ranks might not show as much. I mean, through two games last season, the Pittsburgh Steelers were one of the best rushing teams in the NFL. Uh, They were in the top five. Don't tell me that it was indicative of the Steelers rushing game for the entire season. It was not. So I'd like to get a little bit more of a sample size before we go down that path. That's why we're going to do what we're doing here today. So just, just to to go back and look at some of these numbers, see how they can improve on them, and then break down some things going on with with the Steelers' offense and something that might be able to help the running game, we will see. How about 425 yards surrendered? That was a huge, huge difference for the Steelers in in week one versus week two. I mean, in week one, it was they, they still surrendered 370 yards, or sorry, 371 yards to be precise. Um. So it's only another just 50 more yards, but to go over that 400 yard mark to a team that, you know, has a good offense, but a lot of people would say that they expect the Buffalo Bills offense to be better. I don't know after two weeks, because the the Raiders took down two playoff teams from the AFC from last season. So we'll see how they, how things, how their season pans out for them, but they put up 425 yards on the Steelers, but also a great point that someone mentioned to me before you take away that 61 yard touchdown and let's say the Steelers get a stop on that. Let's say um, Trey Norwood's able to disrupt the pass a little bit more or even put a hit on, on, on Derek Carr where he can't get everything on the, on the throw when it falls incomplete, that not just majorly changes the scoreboard, the entire outcome, the Steelers get the ball on a punt it changes the yardage output, but it changes everything else, how they play out the game from that point on. So we all know that was a big play. So that's the one number, the 61-yard touchdown. That that was That's something that the Steelers, the type of splash play the Steelers can't give up anymore. Um, yeah, the Steelers were missing four starters. And I will tell you this, when Joe Hayden and Devin Bush don't play in a game ever since Devin Bush was drafted, the Steelers are 0-4 now. They were 0-3 going into this one. I tweeted this before the game. I'm like, I don't want to say this, but I got to say it. So that's what we knew going into it. The Steelers had dropped, I think this was the sixth straight game that the Steelers had lost when Joe Hayden wasn't playing. I mean, early on when, when Joe Hayden joined the Steelers, um, they won, I think, their first four games where he didn't play. But then they've, as he's missed time, they've lost them all since. Um, the Steelers were obviously, I think, what was it, 
seven and five last year. Seven and five, yes. After Devin Bush went out for the season. So that was a little bit different. But missing those key players, I mean, that's that that's a big deal. Okay. So the Steelers, they they scored one more point than they did on offense the week before. I'll, I'll tell you that. Some people are like, oh, the offense was so bad. We're going to look at some of the offensive numbers here a little bit more in depth. But they scored one more point than they did on offense the week before. We just kind of forget about it because the Steelers were not good for the entire first half and then did it all in the second half. If you look at it as an entire game, the Steelers had a better game offensively throughout the entire game against the the Raiders. But we'll break we'll break them down by halves here after I finish running through some of these other numbers. Uh the the minus 1 turnover margin, that really hurt. That was I mean, look at the week before, the Steelers win the game by a score with a plus one margin. This one, they they lose by a, a score plus. They were minus one. I mean, I have a feeling if it was zero, then it, it would have been, a, you know, right there, you know, less than a one score game. See how that works out. That's, that's really big that the Steelers turned the ball over and didn't get any takeaways. Um, if you really want to know how much TJ Watt affected everything, just make sure you go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Look up Wednesday's article about it by myself and Jeffrey Benedict. It's really laid out well for you. Um, 39 rushing yards. That's still not working. Still not working. And just think, at this time at this time last year, the first three games of the, st- of the season last year, the Steelers had a 100-yard rusher in each game. I'll say that again. The first three games of 2020, the Steelers had a 100-yard rusher in each game, and then it fell off after that. Now, I will tell you this. Last year, the Steelers had an aging offensive line that, that as the season went on, you did not expect to get better. You expect, you know, age and wear down from the season to actually deteriorate as the, as time went on based on the players that they had. If the, It's not like the Steelers were going to get better. Their offensive linemen were suddenly all going to get better as the season went on. That's not the, the, the linemen that they had last year. So it makes sense that they might have peaked at the beginning. The, this year, they got young guys. You're hoping that they can improve as the season goes on. That's just my one you know, ray of hope to you about the rushing game, even, you know, compared to last year and say, let's just hope that that they can do that. One other number I want to throw out there was, well, two of them. One, you know, 10 hits that Ben Roethlisberger took. You can't have that. He suffered a pec injury. Some people were flipping out. He was, he didn't practice Wednesday, but he never practiced Wednesday on, you know, during this in season. So, I don't look into that until we see what happens later today when Roth, when the injury report comes out and see if Roethlisberger was able to practice or not. I will say on Wednesday, it was encouraging that Devin Bush was back full and both TJ Watt and Joe Hayden were limited. And the reason I say that more for, for about Watt and Hayden, I look at their limited being almost the same as Bush's full because they're two players that they could, they could have one practice in a week and be fine. I mean, but, Honestly, Joe Hayden, he could not practice this week and still be fine to play on Sunday because of the type of player he is. T.J. Watt probably as well. You know, he doesn't have as many years in his Hayden, but I mean, come on, it's T.J. Watt. So the fact that these guys, that it wasn't the most important thing for them to practice on Wednesday 
were limited, that meant that they were testing out their injuries is the way I look at it. So we want to see how they respond and, and how things go for them today. So, and I, I can't move on without mentioning the 56 yard field goal. Congratulations, Chris Boswell for setting the Heinz field record that kept the Steelers in the game at the time. And unfortunately you didn't get much more of a chance to do what you do. But something that I looked at was I'm like, let's look at the individual halves of the two games for the Steelers so far. Rather than look at the rankings and compare them, let's do that because this is probably going to tell us a little bit more about what's going on. So I so I, I look at these halves, and we know the first half against the Bills was bad. The Steelers had three first downs. They were one of six on third downs. They had 54 yards on 22 plays. They had seven rushing yards and 47 passing yards. No points. Yuck. We knew that's what happened. We know that was going to be the deal. Well, not that we knew it was going to be the deal. We know that's what they did. But we kind of gave that a little bit of a pass because of what happened in the second half. What happened in the second half was 13 first downs, three of six on third downs, 197 yards on 33 plays, 67 rushing yards, 130 passing yards, and 16 points. See, that second half kind of made you forget about that first half even existed. But the Steelers are still the team of both of those halves. Now, if you look at the two halves against the Raiders, neither one of them is that far off of the second half of the Bills. Okay, I'm going to say it one more time. Neither one of them is that far off of what the Steelers did in the second half against the Bills. Now, they didn't get 16 points in either of these halves. Um but if you look at it, it wasn't it, – you'll, you'll see. Because in the first half, the Steelers had eight first downs. And just like the second half of the Bills game, they were three of six on third down. They had 153 yards total. They had 28 plays. So, so in five less plays, they weren't that far behind in yards. They had 31 rushing yards, which significantly better than the first half against the Bills, but not – what it was in the second half. They had 122 passing yards, you know, just shy of what they had against the Bills in the second half, and they scored seven points. So that was the Steelers' first half against the Raiders. Not that far behind the Bills. If you have to look at the Bills' first half and the Bills' second half, that was more in line with how they played in the second half of the Bills than with the first half. So then when you look at the, the second half against the Raiders, they had one more first down in the second half. They had nine first downs. They weren't quite as good on third down. They were two of six. They had more yardage. They had 178 yards, which is getting close to what you know they did in the second half against the Bills. And once again, it was on 10, 28 plays. So they actually had more yards per play in the second half against the Raiders than they did against the Bills, um, of me estimating that in my head because I don't have it written down in front of me. If you bust out your calculator and see that I'm wrong, I apologize. I was just estimating. So the Steelers, but once again, their rushing attack in the second half of the against the Raiders looked like it did the first half against the Bills. It was eight yards, eight yards. So that's not good. Not good at all. But they had 170 passing yards and 10 points. So once again, if you look, if you break everything down by halves and, and you kind of, score the Steelers how they performed each half of the four games so far. The 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 they performed the best in the second half against the Bills. 
And then I would say probably the next best is the second half against the Raiders. Then comes the first half against the Raiders. And then comes the first half against the Bills. But if you were to actually look at those scores, they would be skewed to the top three with the bottom one being way set apart from the rest. You know, that's kind of like, oh yeah, I got three scores on a test. I got a, I got a 94 an 88 and an 86 and, and, and a 53. Yeah. That 53. Yeah. It's only your fourth worst. It's not that it's, it's only the worst one past the, I think I said 86. I can't even remember the numbers now, um, but it's way down there. So that's kind of how it goes. So the Steelers offense as a whole, actually other, you know, I was going to say the points, but that's not true. They scored one more point, but they actually performed as a whole for the entire game better than they did the first week. It's just, we saw so much more in that second half against the bills than what we saw um, in either half against the Raiders, that if the Steelers would have had that output, it would have been more helpful. That and the fact the defense was decimated with injuries. It was they were going to have to continue to score and keep up with their opponent. So that's kind of how that all played out. We're going to go ahead and take a break after looking at those numbers because if we come back, we're going to. It's funny we're going to talk some numbers with it, but it's really going to be talking about some scheme and some blocking. I'm going to do my very best to paint a visual picture for you of how things would work with the Steelers putting a fullback on the field, what they've done so far this year with the fullback, not much, and what they could possibly do or how they might want to play it or if they even should going forward. So stick around for just a minute and we'll be right back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to Steelers Stat Geek. This is Dave Schofield. I'm still here. I'm still going to talk some numbers, but we're going to talk something else. I love numbers. You all know, for those of you that have listened to me before, been around for a while, you're part of the Nerds of Steel. Yeah, I'm going to see if that sticks around. We're going at it for another week. Um, if you're part, part of this Nerds of Steel group here, then you understand that I love numbers, but I also love scheming particularly blocking. I love to scheme up blocking. I always have since I was coaching. I would, no joke, I would, before I had kids, because I actually stopped coaching when I had kids because of when they were born, it just interfered and it just it just seemed like that was part of my life I had to step away from for a while. I'm not saying I'll never go back, but also if I if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be here doing this with you all right now. 
back to what I was saying. <laughs> I remember before I bought my house, my wife and I live in an apartment. I would take coasters and post-it notes and other things and lay them out on our living room floor and explain to my wife, who is not a football person, I'm, it, it's funny, nerds of steel, my my wife fits in that category, except I don't know about the steel part. You know, I I, I married a bit of a, of a nerdy girl. I could have gone. I'm like, unfortunately, my kids um, aren't very athletic. They got my mom, they got their mom's athletic genes. Um, but I'll tell you what, they're pretty sharp because they also got uh, that from her as well. She's, she's one smart cookie, but anyway, which was nice because she could understand what I was talking about, but it's not like it was something she was into otherwise that she would have done it on her own. And I would, I would set up, you know, the offensive line, the offensive formation, the defensive formation. I said, all right, this is the play. This is what we're doing. We're going to run this guy right there. I'm like, this is a 444 wham. In case you wonder what a wham is, we're going to talk about that here soon. Uh, that was our terminology. A lot of times, if you play Madden or other things, they'll call it an ISO. What it is, is that you leave the first or, or the defender on the second level, like not on the line of scrimmage. So you're talking a linebacker. You're leaving the linebacker, I'll go ahead and say that, who is closest to the hole you're running through, unblocked, because you're sending the fullback through the hole to block them. That is the responsibility of the fullback of, of the closest second level defender. So I would say, all right, so we're leaving this guy for this guy to block. How do we block everything else? And I'd show my wife, like, see this guy here, this guy, you, you show that there's a guy somewhere far away from the play. You don't even have to block and things like that. And how a lot of times when I would scheme up these plays that I would want, want to run, if everybody made the block, the running back had to make the safety missed, not the strong safety, the free safety that otherwise it should be designed to where this is how it would go. You've just, it's all, then it all comes down to one-on-one matchups. Can the defender, you know, defeat the block, things like that. So I've always loved scheming up plays. So you're like, come on, Dave, get to the fullback. We want to hear about the fullback. We want more Derek Watt. Now I'm going to disappoint you. And the answer is, Based on how defenses are playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, the fact that they are not using Derek Watt on offense actually really makes sense. <gasps> oh my goodness. I just went against what everyone else is saying. What am I doing? Now let me lay it out for you. Okay. I asked Jeffrey to find me the plays that Derek Watt has played on offense so far. He played none on offense against the Raiders. So I'm like, look, look at the Bills game. He's like, yeah, you're going to like this. I said, why? He's like, I knew he played four snaps. I, I knew that was a snap count. What I did not realize is that three of Derek Watt's four snaps were on kneel downs. That's correct. He was on the field for three plays just so Ben Roethlisberger could take a knee. Yeah, one at the end of the half, two at the end of the game. That's it. He had one other snap on offense. So guess what? That's what we're going to do. What I expected when the Steelers use a fullback was I expected them to run 21 personnel. Now, if you don't understand how personnel numbers works, it's numbers, so I'm going to explain them. Okay, when, when you do the personnel package, bottom line is they you, you're given two out of three numbers, 
and they're all going to equal five because that's your number of eligible receivers because you've got your five linemen and your quarterback. So how are you doing the other five positions? So if you would, let's say we, you would run a 21 personnel, the first number, the two, that's your number of running backs. Your second number, one, that's your number of tight ends. Whatever is left to get to five is your wide receivers. So in that formation, you would have two running backs, one tight end, two wide receivers. Another popular one is 12. One running back, two tight ends, two wide receivers. The most popular, especially with the Pittsburgh Steelers, is 11 personnel. One running back, one tight end, Three, which leaves three wide receivers. That's how these work. If you never understood how the personnel groupings were before, hopefully that's a good crash course. I expected the Steelers to be in 21 personnel with Derek Watt. They were not. They were in 20. So what that meant was the Steelers had two running backs and three wide receivers. So then how did the defense counteract that for that personnel grouping? In other words, Derek Watt is almost the equivalent of what you would have for a tight end. Whether it was Derek Watt or Pat Fairmuth or Zach Gentry, I don't know how they treat Eric Ebron, if they really treat him like a tight end or not. I didn't dive into that enough to say definitively, so I'm just going to let that go. I'm going to use the other two as an example. Um, how, would the, how would the defense react to that? Well, the Bills, who play a 4-3 defense, what they, what they do is they go to their nickel where they remove a linebacker so, you know, when the Steelers go to nickel, they remove a defensive lineman because they've got their three, four. So that way you're still going to have four defensive guys up front. And instead of three guys at the next level, they, they have two and they bring in an extra corner. So they have four guys up front, then two, three corners and two safeties. That's how they counteract that formation for the Steelers. Well, that could be really good except it's all in how you de- deploy everything. Here's what the Steelers did. What it didn't it wouldn't have mattered if Ben Roethlisberger went under center and they went I because if anything that would have brought even more defenders into the box. Um but I don't see how they could have because they had as many as they could. What the Bills did and this is what very similar to what the Raiders would have done as well if they would have they were running similar stuff that they would have done on defense. Um is that the Bills used their three corners because they have a, a nickel in the two outside corners and they matched them up one basically one-on-one, not basically one-on-one with their, each receiver. They had the free safety in single high coverage, which means he's back in the middle of the field um, to help out. And they brought the strong safety up, basically replacing the linebacker that went out for a corner to come in. So in, in essence, they, they brought the extra guy into the box. It would have been no different than if they would have taken for nickel, if they would have taken the strong safety out and brought in a cornerback. Cause in essence, they were playing their strong safety as a linebacker. So the Steelers are dealing with four guys on the defensive front, three, three second level defenders, and then the free safety behind them. The corners are out. We're just going to say corners are on receivers. So if the Steelers are going to try to block that, If you look at it, well, they have five offensive linemen, no tight end, okay? Then they have a fullback and a running back. If the Steelers are going to attempt to block that front, they are one man short because 
They're basically bringing that strong safety in there and saying, nope, you bring in a fullback, you're not going to run. They are daring the Steelers to beat them in one-on-one coverage with the throw. And honestly, in that formation, that is what the Steelers should do, in my opinion. And you know what? It's what they did. I'm actually watching a video of this play here. They do it. They fake the handoff. They fake the handoff to to Najee Harris with Derek Watt leading up like he's blocking the defensive end. He's coming across like he's blasting him out. And instead, they throw out quickly um, to the two-receiver side to Chase Claypool, who who beats the one-on-one and gets either nine or ten yards on the play. Um, it was actually really good formation to run, to run, sorry, to, to throw a pass in that's Derek Watts one play. And it was a pass play and it was play action because there was in, I don't even know if I said this, they were in shotgun with a, with a running back to each side of Ben Roethlisberger. So he had Derek Watt on his right and Najee Harris on his left. So as the ball gets snapped, Derek Watt cuts in front of Ben Roethlisberger to go hit the outside linebacker on that side, on the opposite side of where he was lined up. And they fake it to Harris like he's going to go up the middle um, and then throw the pass. It, it's an RPO. Ben Roethlisberger could have could have done the run or he could have thrown the pass. And in this case, throwing the pass was wise because he had better numbers in the passing game. And it's all because they brought in the fullback and you're like, oh, just line them up and let it run it down their throats. It doesn't matter if the other team is is having one more player there than what you can block. You know, this would be me scheming this up with the coasters in my living room. And I'd be sitting there like, okay, well, the tackle, he he's going to have to get the defensive end. I'm like, I, the defensive end, the way they're ends, the way they're lined up, you can't let either one of them go because they're going to disrupt the play the way they're set up. So the tackles are going to have to turn out on the ends. Chances are, you know, between the guard and the center, you're going to have to get the you're going to have to get the defensive tackle and the and the and the outside and you know the I'll call it their right linebacker you know it's on the second level not the middle one maybe leave the middle one for Derek Watt leading up the middle or what they did is they had the tackle come off to the linebacker and Derek Watt was hitting the end that's another way to to run these certain plays but no matter what you're even if then the backside guys get the other linebacker you know who you've got that you can't deal with the strong safety sitting right there, three yards off the ball, ready to come up and make the tackle. And that's assuming every player makes the block perfectly. You know, because I would say, you know what? One player open, maybe Najee can miss. But you can't bank on that, that every single player, and that's part of the problem with the Steelers' offensive line. You know, they're playing well. They're showing good. No, I said they're playing well, and then I stopped, interrupted myself. Don't stop. Don't do that. That was a false statement. They're they're showing glimpses of good things. I was going to say they're playing well at times, individually, but not collectively. And they're not putting all of their good plays together at the same time. You know, um, you can have three of your five offensive line just make fantastic blocks every play. And if two of them are getting whipped, you're not going to have success. So besides even having that success, even if they all were successful, Defenses are bringing one too many players. 
They're bringing one too many players in the box when the Steelers bring a fullback onto the field. Now, I know we're running a little bit late, but I, it, it's all right. I'm going to finish this because it's important. Jeffrey sent me another one, exactly what I asked for. I said, give me the same thing, but give me the tight end instead of the fullback. He's like, oh, gotcha. Same people, same everything, except it's Pat Frermuth. Now, he's not in the backfield. He's not even on the line of scrimmage. He's up as like an H-back um, on the play. It just It's the exact same formation, except the Steelers have two wide receivers. They're on the other side. That you know isn't as important of which side of the field they were on. They were on the wide side of the, of the field in this case, which makes sense. So the thing is, is how did the defense respond with Frermuth in there? What they did is that strong safety did not come up into the box. He stayed back because the Steelers had an extra threat at receiving the ball. So they stayed back instead of, you know, instead of, you know, one, you know, single deep safety, it was two. It was two. And what did the Steelers do out of that formation? Same RPO. They ran at that time because they actually had the right numbers to win that matchup. Instead of seven in the box, it was six. They had their five offensive linemen and Pat Freyermuth in there. It was six on six for them to block and Najee to run. And what do you know? He gets 10 yards. It was, I'm pretty sure, the first play of the fourth quarter against the Bills. Exact same idea, exact same style, but by having the tight end rather than the fullback, the defense where they lined up was different. So in other words, the best time to use Derek Watt would be to bring him in to try to get the team to pack the box more to throw the ball, but they're packing the box so much. You don't gain that much an advantage with Derek Watt because bringing him in, it's not like he's a bad receiver, but he's not as good as a receiver as what the tight ends would be. So therefore you're sacrificing the quality of one receiver in order to get a a better receiving matchup, which is kind of counterproductive. So until the Steelers can start opening up their offense, basically, as a lot of people are saying, use the run to set up, sorry, I said it backwards, use the pass to set up the run. They're going to keep getting outnumbered in their blocking. And if you're going to be outnumbered and you're not blocking well, you're in trouble. You're in big, big trouble. So you can get by with an unperfect blocking if you still at least have even numbers. The problem is the Steelers aren't. They're they're going up against one more. Def- they're needing to block one more defender than what they even have there. And that's not counting the free safety who can come up into any play. I mean, think about that. Just think of Minka Fitzpatrick seeing a run and coming up to diagnose it. We're not even counting someone like that. We're talking about guys that are right there in order to make the plays. So for everyone that's screaming, oh, the Steelers need to just put the fullback out on the field. You've got to have the defense responding to it in a way that it actually gives you an advantage. Because if you put that fullback out there and it actually causes you to still not have the numbers to run, then you need to pass. And then what you've done is you've taken an eligible receiver and had it someone who is not one of your better catching players. Now, for all I know, Derek Derek Watt can catch great. The Steelers haven't really thrown in the ball much, so we can't. We, how can we judge it? How can we judge him as a receiver with the Steelers because they haven't used him? So I've I said this 
long ago, months ago, what I would ultimately like to see, see the Steelers do is use a huge personnel grouping. Najee Harris, Derek Watt, Pat Frermuth, Eric Ebron, you know, 22, and then have your wide receiver be someone like a Chase Claypool and come in there and spread them wide and, you know, get, get offenses to bring in their, their base package or even their jumbo defense package to where you bring on an extra person that you would want to have in the box. And as soon as they do that, you spread out your receivers. Maybe you keep Watt in for protection something like that. And then you have a major advantage in, in the passing game until the Steelers start doing something like that. And then the other team can't just throw as many big people in there and say, you're not going to run it at us. Then you catch them in a defense where they're not as big and you, and you bring those guys in and you line them up and you run it down the throat. You've got to, the Steelers need to start utilizing their, their formations. Um, and they're not formations, their personnel packages to where no matter what the other team does, you can do something else to make them pay for it. And it's really tough sometimes to do that if you also don't have the offensive line all working together in order to do what they have to do. But the Steelers have to do something like that and make the defense pay in order to then open up other things. So the answer of throwing Derek Watt on the field and say, this will improve the running game. It's probably, that's probably not the answer. The Steelers need to, if they're going to utilize Derek Watt, they need to utilize him or other bigger people in order to get good matchups in the passing game to where the defense has no choice, but to react, to stop those passes. And then you have the advantage in the run. There we go. That's how I laid it out. That was the numbers that I put out there for you. We'll see if they can do it. Well, hopefully that's what I would like to see more than anything is I would like to see Derek Watt used to actually get d different defensive groupings out there so you can attack them in a different way. Thank you so much for sticking with me this long. I know we went over, but it was a really good time, a really good topic, really good. I can't say discussion because it was only me talking. Um, and you might think I'm crazy, but I'm just telling you what I've seen. So we'll see if Derek Watt gets more than one snap in an actual offensive set here coming up in week three. Make sure you're checking out all our podcasts across the BTSE family of podcasts. So much out there for you. I don't know how you could listen to it all. I struggle to listen to most of it just because it's just, it's a lot. We make sure we have enough for you that you, there should never be a reason for you to say, gee, I wish I had more Steelers content to take in. And of course, make sure you're checking out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Thank you, Nerds of Steel, for joining me. And as I always say, thanks for geeking out with me.